This is a conversation with Liddy Evertson. Hi, Liddy. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good, thanks. So, um, maybe would you describe a little bit what your work is? Um, my work is uh, diverse, but um, what I would like to talk about now is uh, my work uh, with people who are traumatized and my background in this work is uh, body dynamic, uh, the body dynamic system mm-hmm. and um, what we do in body dynamic system is um, you know work reworking uh, through the trauma but uh, not before we uh, ha- we have worked on resourcing the client uh, so that the client uh, is able to uh, stand uh, a higher charge uh, before we go into into um, into the trauma itself. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, uh, working through the trauma, but the priority is to first resource to a, yes 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 that's right. So and and the idea is um, that um, how can we say that um, the whole gestalt of an experience can be brought forward. Uh, including, you know, um, unconscious decisions and things like that uh, that people have taken during uh, during the trauma and uh, are still working in their nowadays life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there's something like a whole gestalt of what happened that's still continuing in people's lives. Um, well. The fact that the whole gestalt is not conscious, that is what influences um, the client's lives. So um, they split off parts of the experience and uh, the idea is to get, you know, all the parts of the experience back Mm -hmm. in order to uh, have the client uh, or give the client uh, a possibility to work it through. Yeah, so get all the parts of the experience back together. Yeah, yeah. So if if they can tell it, so they use words, and they can feel their emotions, and they can feel their sensations, and they can also place it in the time and uh, in the timeline life uh, timeline of their lives. Mm-hmm. So. Do you yeah. understand what I mean? Yeah. Yes, yes. So bring all these parts together and um, the context, the timeline. So basically really integrating that experience instead of it being split off. Yes, that's right. Uh, so that, um, so that uh, by containment uh, of, you know, also the body itself, and the containment uh, that is provided by by uh, by the knowledge of things, um, people can stay in their bodies, so to say, mm-hmm. instead of what they did during during the event that the charge was that high because of you know the situation was so threatening that uh, that they just couldn't do anything else but leave their bodies, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So at that time, the body was not able to contain, and we're making that happen, the ability of the body to contain. 
So we think that otherwise it has no use to, you know, go again through the whole story if you can't do it in another way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that would just be re-traumatizing. Yes, right. Yes. So, so we're talking about containment and uh, the body as a resource and as a container. In fact, yes. In fact, yes. Um, but also about uh, being conscious. Um, so you could say um, during the traumatic event, um, the responses are automatic. Um, they come from the reflex system. And the idea is to um, get, you know, uh, the acting part more conscious mm-hmm. so that it doesn't become automatic uh, every time, you know, that's the stress goes up a little higher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so all of this, you know, in the presence of consciousness. Yes, right, yeah. So this is, uh, this is what happens, uh, you know, the general mechanism of trauma. So is there something special when there is repeated trauma? Yes, what I uh, often uh, see uh, in my clients is that um, when during childhood there is long-term stress and trauma, that they start organizing their, uh, their whole system um, more in parts in order, and I mean, um, it's in a way a beautiful uh, way to deal with things. Uh, because what I see is that the people uh, can uh, kind of keep all their possibilities available uh, just by, you know, having them a little apart, so to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, that what I see, uh, a person is able to uh, make beautiful art or, or, you know, having a very good job on one hand, uh, because some child parts, so to say, are more separate and they can just be kind of, you know, be on the side when, when, um, uh, when the person is, is busy uh, working, for example. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the other hand, it's of course uh, not easy because the other part is that there is a lot of chaos inside sometimes because, you know, there, there are different interests inside from the different parts. So uh, taking a decision can be difficult sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So that's why work, while working with the, uh, these clients, um, we are aiming at, um, you know, resourcing uh, the different parts, and most most of the time, we deal with age levels, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that they kind, yeah. So, so that the sense of, you know, people get in a way organized, survive the repeated trauma by cutting off into parts, and they can function in some way well that way. But there is yes. also a chaos that happens there. And you're describing how, in therapy, 
you deal with these different parts uh, and maybe dealing with the different ages. Yes, and sometimes also with different gender. Mm-hmm. So, um, for instance, what would be a, an instance of that? Well, what you could see is uh, is in in a woman, um, you know, who uh, who um, who grew up uh, being uh, abused, sexually abused, mm-hmm. uh, and then you can see that sometimes uh, around the age of six or seven, that uh, you know, uh, a memory layer. Uh, of that age, that they don't feel themselves uh, as a girl, but more like a boy. Mm. And uh, sometimes you can have um, more grown-up parts, more adult parts, who are male, and um, which serves uh, during a a certain job, for example, or... um, going out at night, um, being more brave as uh, feeling male, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so these different parts are going to be different ages, different functions, different genders, so a way of adapting to these different parts of reality. Yes, in a way you could say it's a bit of an exaggeration of, you know, uh, what we all know uh, as a personality. Uh, early, um, you can say all the different parts that normally are glued together or, you know, are um, connected together now are just, you know, uh, put a little apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead of a flow between these different parts, very strong walls uh, between them, they don't flow into each other. That's right, that's right. And sometimes uh, certain parts don't know about each other even. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that can be really handy sometimes, of course. I mean, um, when you have to do a tough job and you don't know about the child part within you, um, well, that helps you doing this tough job. Only there is one little problem that if stress uh, goes up too high or there is a, there are certain things happening, then suddenly the child parts can come up. So that this also makes chaos and insecurity sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so can we talk about how you work with that uh, in therapy? Yes. Um, well, you can say the beginning uh, is with most clients a bit similar that um, I start teaching them, um, if necessary, to, um, to tell about their sensations their inner and their outer sensation. Mm-hmm. And um, then we uh, have a look at how they, um, what they are making out of that, how they in- interpret uh, the sensations. For example, um, somebody tells about a tingling feeling in the stomach, for example, and um, a little, um, you know, tight feeling in the throat, and then 
I ask what feeling or what sensation do you feel behind that. So that's a kind of base um, that we first have to go through so that we have a language, uh, developed a common language, so to say. Yeah, so the paying attention to the sensations and, uh, and expressing it. Uh, sensations and also what it means, what kind of information does it give to you. Mm-hmm. And um, then we also um, uh, start to work with what they perceive in the outer world and um, what they make out of that. So that adds to the common language as well. So, um, so for instance, uh, perceiving outer world, uh, uh, what do you mean by that? Um, what they see, mm-hmm. factually. And um, so, for example, if we do this in contact, I can ask, uh, can you have a look at me? And uh, what do you see? Okay. And, I mean, people sometimes think this is a very awkward question, mm-hmm. but uh, then uh, we can see uh, whether the outer perceptions can be reality tested, so to say. Mm-hmm. 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 And uh, when they look at me uh, and they say, uh, I see you are angry, you know, then we try to find out what is it exactly that you see and uh, what brings you to the interpretation of angry. Okay. okay. So, and, and through these steps, uh, it becomes often clear with the clients that there are several uh, reactions on, uh, on certain perceptions. So... Um, and then we start to uh, to look for uh, how, how do you feel when you uh, when you see me, for example, as angry. Um, how do you feel yourself at an age level? And um, okay, are you feeling male or female, or? Um, Okay, so you have described a process of, uh, you know, that seems like calibration of what, what first, uh, you know, paying attention to sensations, being able to pay attention to what they mean, express it, then paying attention to what people see, for instance, when they look at you, uh, what it is that makes them interpret what they see, you know, into, you know, how they, what they perceive, and working with that. Yes, and in that way, uh, we, you know, we kind of explore um, what there is uh, active in their personality, so to say. Um, and um, normally, there is a first layer that we come to or that we have access to. And then we start to work with those layers or those personality parts um, according to um, age level and according to the themes that are important for um, for these parts and their function in the you know the total group or the total personality. Mm-hmm. So um, 
and in body in the body dynamic system um, we also work with uh, character structures uh, with the body dynamic character structures and um, the themes of the different parts um, I work with them uh, uh, the same as I would work with uh, a certain character structure okay. So character structure would be something that is developmental at different ages, different stages, people adapting to, uh, you know, frustrated needs in a certain way. Yeah, so um, you could say it's a developmental uh, chart um, that we keep in the back of our minds and uh, that describes uh, seven stages Mm -hmm. with each three positions uh, that can be the result of that development uh, and um, that the formation is uh, from intrauterine until around 12 years old and um, well, you could say that um, a normal grown-up person uh, has you know uh, a combination of different positions uh, that were taken uh, during uh, growing up. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I use. Um, although we we are making, you know, we are discerning uh, shock trauma work from uh, from character structure work. Uh, but when I'm working with people who have parts in their personality. Uh, I work, uh, I do character work with each part of their personality. Okay. So, uh, on the one hand, there is the developmental stages. Yes. And on the other hand, there is the uh, parts, the separation into parts, inflicted by trauma. Yeah. And within the parts, uh, you are working with the various developmental stages of each part. Yes. Uh, normally, you can see that, uh, for example, uh, when uh, there is a part that feels like, um, say, a two-and-a-half-year-old child, um, then I work with the de- developmental uh, structure uh, around two and a half years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what is it like to work with these parts or the structure? You know, uh, is it possible to talk about a case? Um, well, I'll make a kind of combination mm-hmm. because, of course, I cannot talk about uh, a client that can be recognized. So. I will go uh, or throw a few cases um, into one bowl, so to say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, well, for example, um, a woman of, say, 50, uh comes is very intelligent um, but has a lot of problems with um, keeping a job 
mm-hmm. for example. And um, it's also uh, once in a while very um, emotional. Mm-hmm. So has to cry a lot and, you know, has not really an idea of what is happening, in fact. So um, then we start talking and the sensing and uh, so just what what I just what I told you, mm-hmm. and then um, it appears that there is uh, a part that is very, you know. Uh, intellectual and organizing um, in her, inside of her, and there is also another um, another part in her that is really playful and uh, yeah, you know, enjoys life but doesn't want to bother too much about well, you know, serious things. Mm-hmm. And there is a part that's very anxious. So, um, and that's what we discover after some time. And, um, well, the work that we then do is to to let them come into contact. Because normally they would kind of uh, fight for um, fight for the room, so to say. Mm-hmm. And. Um, well, what I try to do is to convince um, the three parts, so to say, or convince, or let them get acquainted and uh, let them see what the function of each each part is, each of the others. Yeah. And um, so uh, that it becomes clear that um, they all have... Uh, um, that it is important for all if they can work together instead of fighting uh, with each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, this is also has also to do, of course, with establishing a working relationship with me. So each part has to make her or his own relationship with me, and then I can help um, support what they need in order to uh, live with each other, so to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens then is that uh, after a while, I mean, that can take quite, that can take quite a while sometimes, um, then they are more listening to each other, more working together. And uh, in fact, what happens often that... Uh, they start to get a little bit of each other's traits. Mm. Maybe you can translate that on a brain level that, you know, more uh, more um, systems in the brains are connecting. Yeah. So, um, and what typically happens then is that uh, if there comes a bit more of a balance in say, this group of three, then uh, that a second layer um, steps forward. So, you know, more hidden uh, um, personality traits, so to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we start to work with them as well, so that uh, in the end, the whole system 
can be mapped and uh, in fact uh, gets to know each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so these uh, conflicting parts, uh, instead of being each separated and not communicating, uh, having a sense of more of a way of them working together you know, yeah. instead of fighting for space. Right, uh, yeah. And as they do, there is kind of um, uh, less of a stark difference between them. They start to, to expand and connect. Yeah, yeah. They start to first, uh, you know, accept each other and then maybe respect each other, understand each other uh, more. And, um, well, then often uh, when they start to work together, they also start to connect in a way that, for example, um, the part that was always only brainy um, starts to feel also some emotion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, how how do you work with these parts? You know, in the case of that that example we're talking about, um, to communicate with each other. What, yes. How how does this happen within the course of therapy? Um, well, of course, at a certain point in time, we have identified the parts, mm-hmm. uh, and then um, I uh, start. I, I keep uh, asking the client when we are uh, working on a certain issue, uh, from which part he or she speaks at the moment. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's not really my job to identify them, but. Um, learning that it's uh, the client's job to identify the parts. Right. It's his or her personality. So. So, so the client, you know, in a way, names. Oh, right now I'm talking from, say, the brain part. Or, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. but who uh, is it? The client who names these parts, like calls it brainy or playful, or how does it yeah. how does it come out? You know, to uh, to, well, to be I, aware, yeah. I ask the client, um, um, does this part have a name, or uh, how would you like to call this part of you? Mm-hmm. And um, some clients have names for their parts, and other clients um, name the parts by their functions. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's it's the client who who names the part, not me. Mm-hmm. And so, what you're saying is, some clients have already names. So, in a way, um, often enough, there is some awareness from the clients of these parts. It's not something they just discover with great surprise in the sessions. Um, well most of the clients have a notion of, you know, the different stances they can they can have. Mm-hmm. So that's no surprise. Um, often it's, it is a surprise when new parts um, step forward. Mm-hmm. And um, especially um, when uh, more aggressive parts are stepping forward, that's Normally, not a very nice surprise, 
but uh, for me it's a sign of that things are going better when when the aggressive parts come forward because then we can uh, go and work with the strength yes but as you work with the parts you know yes. what do you do to explore the parts um well again the you know look looking for sensations some parts have difficulty feeling sensations uh so they have to learn that and name them and uh then see what it means in terms of emotions or feelings and um then uh translate that uh, into possible action i mean that's something they have to learn too so th that's kind of resource work um uh, mm -hmm. that we do and uh, so it's each part in itself, um, you can say, needs resourcing. Um, and the whole group needs to work together and learn to know each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way we are working, um, yeah, that's so diverse. Um, for example... Um, What we do in Bodynamics is also uh, make a relation between, um, between the tension of muscles and, um, and the character structures. Mm -hmm. So um, when uh, there is um, hyper-responsiveness in certain muscles, that goes together also with uh, hyper-responsiveness in certain themes. Okay. So... Um, that's also what what we do with uh, certain parts. Resource hypotense muscles and the connected um, theme. Yes. Or helping uh, hyper-responsive muscles to express um, the theme, so to say. So I, I, I can... I can uh, have an exa example yes, uh, yeah. maybe um, if you take a muscle in the upper arm um, that's called the deltoid and if you take the front part of the deltoid um, that comes in action uh, you know during uh, the first year uh, in development of a child and it helps with um, also with stretching out the arms, uh, reaching out to the parent, uh, etc. So um, if there was not a good response, uh, the child gives up. So mm -hmm. the grown-up with this history doesn't know about reaching out, not in the body. So if one of the parts has this hyper-responsiveness in reaching out, we go work with this muscle and with a theme of reaching out. So, for instance, in the case of the underdeveloped deltoid muscles, um, I assume that just lifting weights does not really solve the problem. Not really, because it also, um, um, you know, it, it's not only uh, the the training of the muscle, but it's also uh, the consciousness of the content of that muscle. 
So uh, we think that uh, the muscle that develops in a certain period um, becomes willful, this, this means, uh, that the theme that is developed at that moment uh, goes together with uh, the consciousness of that muscle. Am I clear? Yes. Am I saying yes. that? Yeah. So um, if uh, you start to lift weights but still are not contenting, uh, contacting the content of that muscle, uh, you know, there is yeah, still a possibility that there is a kind of hyporesponsiveness. Mm-hmm. I mean, the muscle can be strong, but the response of the muscle uh, can still be uh, hypo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how would that be visible physically? Is that something that you just notice emotionally and or in terms of behavior? Or is that also something that you notice physically? Uh, you can see it. Um, if a muscle is hypo, you can see it that um, the area where the muscle is is not so much alive as you would expect. And if a muscle is hyper, then you see that there is a kind of holding back in that area. Mm-hmm. And you can also uh, feel it if you if you uh, touch the muscle and you um, you stretch the muscle in a certain way that Elizabeth Marker and um, the people around her uh, developed. Uh, the, the muscle comes back uh, when you stretch it in that particular way, and when it comes back more slowly, then that indicates a hypo responsiveness. When it comes back quicker than you made the original mo- original movement, then it is a hyper okay. uh, active muscle. Yeah, mm-hmm. hyper responsive. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you need not touch. I mean, you can also see it very well when I when I train with uh, people in the foundation training and you know I show a, a few of these muscles in the hyper or hypo responsiveness uh, uh, then uh, they all recognize it mm-hmm. yes so we're talking about this in the context of doing the work uh, to develop to explore and uh, develop what is affecting the parts. Yes, yes. So uh, it's working uh, on the, on the uh, so to say, developmental stage that a certain part is in, and also working um, with what we call ego functions uh, on, on a bodily level. So ego functions uh, means uh, all that you need in order to, you know, have an adult adult life, so to say. And um, you can work uh, with those ego uh, functions um, very bodily, so with muscles or um, with um, connective tissue, mostly muscles. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I try to do with uh, with the clients and their parts um, if we work with an individual part, so to say. 
then you're going to, when you say work with the part, um, yeah. you know, what is going to happen in the session about it? Is it, uh, you know, something that is directly related to the muscle itself? Well, um, say that um, at a certain point in time, uh, a part comes forward that, um, you know, feels abandoned and, and uh, yeah, hopeless. Um, and, uh, well, for example, we see this, this hypo-responsive uh, um, uh, uh, front part of the deltoid. Uh, then I have in the back of my mind, uh, well, we need to do something with the contact here and uh, maybe especially with, uh, with reaching out. Mm-hmm. So um, then um, we start paying attention to the muscle, for example, and uh, that could be touch or that could be, you know, um, just making movements where the muscle is involved in. And um, then we work towards um, the contact uh, where the muscle is involved, the mm-hmm. reaching out contact in, in, in this particular case. And we uh, work that out between us. So, mm-hmm. in fact, I act, could you say, as um, the parent, uh, the parent part, so to say. Mm-hmm. So, in order uh, for this uh, for this uh, child part in in the client to um, to experience something that it didn't know. And that adds to the repertoire of, you know, uh, being, uh, in the end, being an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, as we're coming toward the end of this conversation, can we talk about how these various parts communicate with each other? Um, well, in the beginning, it, um, it needs to go with my help, so to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes we uh, just, uh, you know, like in Gestalt uh, conversations, uh, but then with a big group, uh, we use uh, pillows and things like that to give the whole group a place, for mm-hmm. example. And uh, then the client can, um, you know, switch places um, in order to talk from the different parts. Mm-hmm. That is a way to do it. Uh, for other clients, it's more easy just to kind of um, just mention, now I'm speaking from this part and now I'm speaking from that part. So, um yeah, they have different ways of of doing this in themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that sense of uh, um, as they name them and explore each of them, then there is a sense of integration that happens. 
Yes, that, that's that's what you, what I see happen after some time. That uh, you know some of the parts are coming closer together, are uh, communicating more easily with each other, and then they start um, you know to to uh, fulfill each other's positions also mm-hmm. uh, to a certain extent, and then you see a sort of grouping. So uh, sets of personality parts that belong more together and um, you know I, I, I doubt whether uh, if uh, a person has many parts I doubt whether they integrate totally in the end mm-hmm. uh, I've never you know seen that but they come closely enough together in order to um, to get rid of the chaos and the instability Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and as the parts become more integrated, uh, yeah. do you notice that at the body level? Um, yes. Uh, on one hand, there is li- less um, change in tone of voice, in body posture, um, and also more ability um, to fill uh, the body out. Mm-hmm. So that's what I can see on a bodily level, and um, yeah, let me think. Um, the panic uh, has disappeared mm-hmm. because when people come with you know a lot of, of division inside the personality, there is also a lot of panic, yeah. and uh, you can see that disappear. Thanks, Lydie. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website, relationalimplicit.com. In tone of voice, in body posture, um, and also more ability um, to fill uh, the body out. Mm-hmm. So that's what I can see on a bodily level, and um, yeah, let me think. Um, the panic uh, has disappeared mm-hmm. because when people come with you know a lot of, of division inside the personality, there is also a lot of panic, yeah. and uh, you can see that disappear. Yeah. Thanks, Lydie. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website, relationalimplicit.com.